and now I'm living in the country, and I'm uh, I'm raising Transformers. I'm raising Transformers. They're uh, free range. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Film Find, the greatest movie podcast ever. Assuming you've never listened to a movie podcast before, I'm your host, Adam Portress, and yes, it has been some time, but uh, we've given you some uh, so, some product, uh, some, some uh, you know, material. You just might not have heard it on this particular uh, feed. Uh, we have a sister podcast now, so uh, go over to HeroMoviePodcast.com. That is where myself, Sean Keenan, and Bruce Leslie do a. Uh, we're we're doing it about once a month right now, but of course it's going to get up uh, further. Uh, there'll be three of them in August because we have a huge thing. But we only do superhero movies, so we kind of took a look out and we're like, "Hey, are there a lot of uh, superhero movie podcasts out there?" I saw one or two, and uh, honestly, I, we you know wasn't too impressed with what I saw. So I'm like, you know what? We got three really nerdy dudes. Let's go ahead and uh, kind of. Let's see if we can just kick that genre in the teeth, and uh, I think we've done a pretty good job so far. We did Amazing Spider-Man 2, as well as uh, X-Men Days of Future Past, and uh, coming up uh, in about maybe a week or so, we're going to be dropping uh, kind of like the godfather of all superhero movies, and that will be Superman the Movie with Christopher Reeve, and it's it's been a long time since that film's been out, but uh, does it still hold up as well as we all like to remember it does? So we're going to take a look at that, and uh, we got some really fun... Fun stuff coming later. We're also going to be doing, uh, uh, you know, crap movies too. We <laughs> like uh, Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance. Uh, now I know my guest today has seen Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance, and uh, I I'm, can't wait to hear what he thinks about that. Ladies and gentlemen, he was on way way back when we uh, reviewed the Hobbit, uh, the second Hobbit movie, and uh, he's back yet again. Uh, Brian Joiner, welcome back to the show, sir. Hey, welcome, welcome. <laughs> Oh man! Well, it's good to have you back here. Uh, uh, yeah, you and uh, my my brother Mark and my dad. We all went out and saw uh, Edge of Tomorrow today, which is our new release review of this week. Which was definitely not Ghost Rider. It was not Ghost Rider. What, what were your thoughts on Ghost Rider? Didn't you you saw the second one, right? The second one was the absolute worst piece of garbage I've seen <laughs> probably in my entire life, besides Dragon Ball Z. Oh yeah, I heard that Dragon Ball Z movie was awful. You guys went and saw that one too, right? You know how you said the Catwoman's bad. Yeah, Catwoman was pretty Cat- awful. This is worse than Catwoman. <laughs> <laughs> That's an accomplishment. I think Catwoman's horrible too. Jeez. I mean, but, you got you got Christopher Lambert as the bad guy, basically a, a little bit, and, and yeah, he's just pulling oh, I am Connor McCloud kind of shtick <laughs> with ridiculous. his eyes and stuff. I, I just, I know, like, I knew, like, I was never, like, a huge Dragon Ball Z fan to begin with, and then when I saw, like, the trailer and stuff, I was just like, wow, something I don't really have any interest in really maybe not have an interest in this at all, so. I like Dragon Ball Z, the, you know, the anime, that's good, but the movie, me and Mark went to see it, and we were the only two people in the theater, for a reason. <laughs> we went to see it because we knew it would be the absolute worst movie. Ever made. Now, did you see the uh, did you see the Chun Li movie that they had back in the day? Because I heard that was pretty bad. Mm, the Street Fighter Legend of Chun Li, I think it was called. 
there's nothing that could be worse than Dragon Ball. <laughs> We've got a Caucasian man trying to be Goku. Yeah. And he looks like he's probably, you know, 16 years old. No. Doesn't work. Oh, we gotta watch. I gotta watch that at some point. Maybe why? Why they need to put more of these like really, really awful movies up on Netflix so people can just sit and watch those and not have to like try to pay for them because nobody wants to pay for that crap. But if somebody goes, "Hey, it's on Netflix. It's free to watch it." You'll you'll sit and watch garbage. I, Lord knows I have. <laughs> this one, Adam. I don't think you want your life back. <laughs> I know I sure did after watching those two. Dude, two, two, I. I sat in the theater for the res- for the uh, restoration of uh, Manos, the Hands of Fate, and it did not have the MST3K, uh, you know, shtick on it. So it was literally just watching Manos live in the theater, and it's like that movie's under an hour and a half, and it felt like four hours long. But <laughs> if I can make it through that piece of garbage without, you know. Joel and the bots making fun of it. I, you know, it's I can almost get through anything, but then again, some things maybe not so much. Again, I say you have not seen the worseness that is <laughs> Ghost of Vengeance or Spirit of Vengeance. Well, we're de- that's definitely going to be one that we co- we cover. Like I, I really I didn't particularly care for the first Ghost Rider. Um, first Ghost Rider wasn't that bad for what it was. Now, was it a stupendous, you know? Superhero movie? No, it was kind of campy in a way, but it had its moments. There were elements of it that I really did like. And it had Eva Menendez in it. So I mean, what you can't go wrong with that. <laughs> Although Nicolas Cage is kind of kind of you kind of can go wrong with him as a superhero, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's or or you could just go amazing with some of the other stuff. You know, honestly though, I saw a thing of, you know, since back in the day, all of the, like the rumors from different superhero movies and stuff. I like how like, you know, 15, 20 years later They'll put out some of these uh, materials and stuff. Some of them get unearthed. And uh, there was one, I saw one of Nick Cage in the Superman suit and that they kind of designed for him and everything. And as bad as it was, it really wasn't even quite that bad. I mean, it wasn't bat nipple bad, but it was, (laughs) (laughs) it, it was, it was bad. Not bat nipple bad, but it was enough to where you're like, well. I mean, I'm still glad it didn't get made, but it would have been, gosh, it would have been interesting to see. To see it like a Tim Burton Batman with Nick Cage as Superman, as out as dumb as it is, it probably would be at least outlandish enough to go, gosh, that sounds like an interesting train wreck. Now, see, I could see Nick Cage as Bizarro. Oh, that could, that could work, actually. That would He would probably eat that up. Dude, we're going to need to, we'll get you on the super, uh, we'll get you on the hero movie podcast at some point and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk some superhero movies and stuff today, but today we are going to be discussing the, uh, the new release out in theaters right now, Edge of Tomorrow, uh, uh, directed by Doug Lyman, written by Christopher McQuarrie, and, um, so before we get, uh, going to that, uh, just, let's go ahead and, uh, let's take a listen to the trailer, all right? What I am about to tell you sounds crazy. And you have to listen to me. Your very lives depend on it. Can I help you, sir? What day is it? For you, Judgment Day. You just came in with the fresh recruits. 30 seconds to drop! Drop! Day, 
people. Destiny calls. Haven't you ever been one of these before? Maybe. My safety! How do I turn the safety off of my weapon? Come find me when you wake up. It's a new day, people. Who said you could talk to me? You did. Tomorrow, at the beach, we meet. You do know what's happening to me. We are fighting an organism. They have the power to reset the day. And now so do you. It's a new day, people. How do I control it? You have to die. Every day. I'm not even trained for combat. broken. No, I, I can still feel my toes. Then we better start over. Come on! I can't do this. I'm not a soldier. You're a weapon. Every time you die, you get smarter. And you're gonna make sure that we can win. This is as far as you ever make it. Why does it matter what happens to me? I wish... I didn't know you, but I do. They know we're coming! They were waiting for us. It's because we've been here before. Where's your helmet? Maybe we win one. How many times have we been here? How many times? For me, it's been an eternity. Hey, Sarge, the new guy. What's his name again? That was the trailer for uh, Edge of Tomorrow, our new release review of this week, starring Tom Cruise, uh, Emily Blunt, Brendan Gleeson, Bill Paxton, uh, directed by Doug Lyman. Um, this is this movie had been in development for uh, quite some time. It was uh, it was on what was what's called the blacklist. Essentially, that is a list of screenplays and everything that were. Uh, put around in Hollywood, but not produced. So, you know, if you were on the blacklist, it was just like, wow, this is one of the best screenplays out there, but just didn't happen to get uh, any sort of pickup. Uh, it's based upon a, uh, a Japanese uh, novel called, um, oh, oh, my brain is just, uh, <laughs> every, um, why is my brain farting on me? It's better. I should get better. Uh, it's called All It Was. It was uh, All You Need Is Kill. That's where. <laughs> Gee whiz, you don't you don't do a podcast in a couple of weeks and your brain just turns to mush. I think I like the title better that the movie. You like Edge of Tomorrow better. I like that better. I don't know. I, mean, I, get, I get the the Japanese version title, but that would 
be more appropriate for maybe a graphic novel, comic, or maybe even a miniseries. But I like Edge of Tomorrow as the movie title. That make that's actually a good title. I kind of grew I, I grew into Edge of Tomorrow a little bit, but I mean I'd known for a long time the All You Need Is Kill out there, and uh, I was just like I was like, God, oh, dude, you kind of wussified that name a little bit. It was like uh like like Brian Singer's film uh, Jack the Giant Slayer was all of a sudden they were like, oh no no Jack uh, Jack the Giant Slayer instead of Jack the Giant Killer, which was what it was initially. We can't we can't say kill. You can't say kill. People won't go to the theater. If they... I don't want to kill anybody. Can we just slay them? Let's slay them instead. That sounds so much nicer, y'all. That's that's my that's my country uh, country um, wife who says, "Look, we can't do this. The children are involved." <laughs> children... Slayer is worse. <laughs> children, no, because you can slay something like, "Oh, he slayed him at the comedy club the other night." But if you say he killed him, that means like there's a gun involved, and that's not. <laughs> <laughs> I like this lady that I just made up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Edge of Tomorrow, uh, here's the uh, IMDB plot line. And as any listener of the show knows, uh, IMDB plot lines are always 100% accurate, 100% correct. I have yet to read it. so. Uh, but we all know that IMDB always bats a thousand when it comes to their uh, log lines here. All right, an officer finds himself caught in a time loop in a war with an alien race. His skills increase as he faces the same brutal combat scenarios, and his union with a special forces warrior gets him closer and closer to defeating the enemy. That's pretty much wraps it up in very few words. Not, not too shabby, IMDB. You know, every now and then they'll get a good little base hit in there, so... <laughs> They failed to mention it was it was Groundhog Day. <laughs> that really what this is. I mean, like, um, um, you know, for for all intents and purposes, this is like a very sci-fi uh, uh, version of Groundhog Day uh, from from you know, <laughs> with, with with Tom Cruise. And, oh, who doesn't love Groundhog Day? If you don't love Groundhog Day, the film find at gmail dot com. I want to talk to you and tell you about how your life has took some weird, odd, horrible turn. That if you don't like Groundhog Day, because I think you're probably, you're missing something inside of your soul. Yeah, Groundhog Day's a classic. <laughs> but this is this is a little bit more than Groundhog Day, because this is not only, it, it, it is kind of repeating that same day over and over again. But the nice part is, is that it, it it's almost, in a sense, more like time travel. I felt it. I felt that the movie was a little too short. I think they could have added another 30 minutes onto it. Hmm. Because I think that the story, to me, didn't have to be a movie. They could have done like, like a mini series or a series of movies. Because the way the story ends, you know, you get there, it happens, it's done. Mm-hmm. There's no, you don't get to see him go through all these different days and different things he does. I mean, he, you do get to see a little bit of that, but I think they could have. They could have either made it a little longer, or they could have made this into a miniseries, you know, 20, 30 episode or something like that, and it would have been just as good, if not better. I, I don't know. I kind of liked how, you know, I thought that was one of the really good, that one of the very strong points of this movie is the editing and stuff. I mean, and it, it falls back onto the same idea as Groundhog Day, where when you're seeing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, if it's not handled with just the right touch, it can become repetitive, it can become boring and just kind of predictable. And you're like, and, and instead of going, hmm, I wonder where we're going now, the story just becomes, oh God, we're here again. And it, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really do that. It, it, like, it lets you kind of breathe 
It skips the stuff that's kind of, you know, that's not really important. And I got to say, one of the big things that I was very surprised about this movie is is how funny it was. Yes, I agree. That is definitely true. This there movie has more laughs in it than, you know, I, I would say five action films all put together. Like, in action films these days are becoming very kind of, there's a good level of humor in it. But and I do like how, you know, Tom Cruise is not the Tom Cruise that we've all kind of seen and know, known him as, you know, he's for the, the past guy. 15, the 20 guy. years. What's that? He's not, he's the weak, the weak, you know, kind of almost girlish character in a way at the beginning to me anyway he's not really really super masculine yeah he's he starts out he's kind of like more or less he's a pr officer for uh for the army or or whomever military you know faction that he's with and he kind of goes around and just talks about how you know this is all the important parts of war and everything he's a press secretary if nothing else and so he comes into uh Brendan Gleason's office and he says, look, you're going to, um, you know, it's kind of like a, a, a scene of morale or everything. We're going to put you out here on the front lines and everything. And we're not quite sure why. And that's another reason. That's the only kind yeah. of main problem that I have with this is that it's like there's no true reason, no real rhyme or reason as to why he's really being sent out there to go and fight. I, I wish they could have delved into that a little bit deeper. Like maybe somebody had some sort of agenda against him or really needed to get him out there somehow because he had some sort of information or something. We didn't really get that, but it is kind of this weird, oh, guess what? Uh, you're going out the front lines now. And he's like, look, dude, I took JR, JROTC in college, and I don't know anything about this kind of stuff. I'm not a fighter. I'm just, I'm a, I'm a mouthpiece for this thing. So you got the wrong guy. I respectfully decline. He's like, no, you can't decline. This is an order you ship out tomorrow. <laughs> and he's like, crap. So he ends up going to Heathrow Airport, and uh, upon waking up, he realizes, okay, uh, he doesn't have any of the medals on that he has in his officer uniform. He's still wearing the officer uniform, but doesn't have any of his medals on there or anything, and uh, people are just treating him like absolute crap, like he's a grunt. And he meets um, Bill Paxton, and Bill Paxton is kind of like this uh, this countrified... Bill Paxton's the funny part. He's uh... <laughs> He's the comedian of the whole movie, dude. Here, Bill Paxton's like, you know, he's got this hilarious mustache, and his like uh, is Master Sergeant Farrell, and he's just like, he's very, he's from uh, Kentucky, and he's uh, look, sir, this is a, uh, you know, he goes through this whole thing about how, you know, uh, supposedly uh, Cruz's character Cage was, uh, he was like. Bird like impersonating an officer and doing all this stuff and you know but they've got him down with these grunts and they bring him over to this whole team and you know this team is like who's this punk we don't need him here and all this stuff and so they send him out in the next day and then the next day he uh he drops down on the ship with everybody and it's just an absolute massacre out on the beaches and so he's going down his entire team goes down and as as he's going off to die, he shoots one of these uh, what what they're calling mimics in the face, and so this mimic then bleeds all over him. But it's one of the special mimics. I forget exactly what they're called. Alpha mimic, I think. What's that? The alpha mimic. Yeah. So th yeah, exactly. So he shoots this alpha mimic, which is kind of a glowing blue sort of thing. It bleeds on him, and he dies. 
And as he dies, he wakes up in the exact same spot in Heathrow that he woke up the uh, morning before. And then he goes and just does the exact same thing. And so that's when it becomes like Groundhog Day, where he's going through each time. And every time he dies, he wakes up in the exact same spot, a la Bill Murray, waking up in the bed listening to I Got You, Babe. He wakes up in the exact same, you know, pile over there and hears the exact same thing over and over. And like Groundhog Day, he has to go through until... He gets it right, and he dies so many times. And a lot of the ways he dies, like I said before, this is a very funny movie. So much of it is so humorous, just getting hit by a truck and then just just dumb dying. That's what's great about it. <laughs> Bill Pack, that was funny. When he got ran over by the truck, he said, Son, what were you thinking? <laughs> but they go through, and what, what I like about it is, is like, like I said, this is, this is Tom Cruise not being Tom Cruise. And it really shows us how um, how one needs to train to become this kind of a badass. Who needs to, what he's going to go through. He went through, you know, essentially what, I mean, because they never really tell us how many times that he's kind of gone back. But we're to assume, you know, it's a ton. Because he gains all this, you know, knowledge and information, and uh, uh, certainly skills, in order to do all this. And what's really cool is like, I, I love the idea of going through and knowing where everything is going to be at the exact same time. So he just looks like an ultimate badass. And, you know, by the end, after he's gone through so many times, you, you know, you heard it there in the trailer where it's like, Sarge, what's this new guy's name? Because the new guy comes in, he doesn't know anything. And he's just amazingly badass on the battlefield. And I thought that was really cool. That's what, also, I thought about this too. This movie is like the first, real it's not based upon one but this is a great video game movie oh yeah i can definitely agree with that i was thinking of that because but. it's that same kind of thing that we all do when we play video games is you play something you kind of have to learn where things are you die you start over from where you were previous and you just keep going until you've kind of figured out how to solve the problem that you're at and, you know, so your life doesn't really mean anything. You die, you come back, you finish out, and you go, okay, well, I've learned from this mistake. Well, this thing will be over here, that thing will be over there, and that's how you learn that. And so this is like, this was a great video game movie that was not based on a video game. Yeah. What were your, um, so overall, just kind of, uh, what, 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 what did you like and what did you not like? Well, I thought the story was, you know, and of course, it's, a lot of stuff's recycled, but I didn't feel that, the story was recycled while I was watching it. I was, you know, excited. It, it, it didn't, it flowed very well. It didn't bore me. I mean, it's definitely, I think, one of Cruz's better movies he's ever done, actually. Um, it's definitely better than, what was it, what was last year, Oblivion? Oblivion, I got bored, like, I don't know. I was okay with Oblivion. I mean, some people liked it, but I, I got bored with it. It just, I don't know. I, I but, mean, I could see how people could get bored with it. I mean, I, I particularly well, cared for it, but... The female lead was actually perfect for this movie, I thought. Yes, Emily Blunt. Yes, she was perfect. And the way she was used was done very well. I thought the directing was fine. I thought the acting was fine. Um, like I said, the only thing I, I didn't, I, I would have liked to see is maybe a little bit longer. It kind of felt like to me it needed to be a little longer. I mean, it, some people probably say it was perfectly linked. I just, I would guess I was so into the, watching the movie, I wanted it to last a little longer, you know? Yeah. Well, I guess the big thing with me is um, I, I really liked it. I did, I like you said uh, about Emily Blunt, I really liked her. I liked her character and how there was this, it, it was great to see 
that, you know, I mean, there's there's a slight kind of, you know, romantic tension between these two, but it doesn't really particularly come in that. There's a time here or there where, you know, there's a little sort of sexual tension type stuff, but it's not it's not dwelled upon for any reason, you know, so I, I, I like that, just not really because it's just it's so cliche at this point. And what I also enjoyed was the fact that, you know, it was a nice turn of play to have the the person that everybody looks up to, you know, in an alternate universe, you know, Tom Cruise would be that soldier that everybody looks up to and is like, this is the guy who's going to lead us into battle. This is the guy who's the poster boy, you know, for this, you know, cause of killing all these mimics. This is, this is the guy. And, um, so, but changing it to a, having it be a female and then everyone else in, you know, kind of the military or whatever, having that kind of respect for her, uh, you know, was really, really neat. And we find out, you know, a little later in the film that the reason that, you know, she kind of got that, you know, sort of respect is that earlier she was in the exact same, you know, position that Tom Cruise was, is that she lived every day over and over again, uh, but ended up losing the power due to, you know, like a, uh, I guess she lost some blood or had some blood transfusion or some such. I agree. That 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 was a good part of it too. I was I was intrigued by her character. Actually, probably more so than Tom Cruise's character, to be honest with you. Well, you know, the real part, the interesting part of everything is, is like you know, because we're all we're seeing the movie itself from uh, from Cruise's character's standpoint. And you you don't dwell on it long, and you can't really because it wouldn't. I, I don't know that it would you know, make the movie that interesting per se. And you got to really kind of book things along in order to keep it moving and not have things be repetitive. But, you know, I, I do stop and think, you know, while they were going through and he was meeting back up with these people and the more stuff he knew every single time, how much, how does this got to blow these people's minds when he comes in, he knows all this information and really basically almost has to tell you every single time, no, 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 shut up. Listen to me. Here's what all of this is. So, like, he has this information that he's called over, you know, what what can easily maybe even be as many as a couple of years and has to tell these people in, you know, 30 seconds, hey, look, here's how I need to convince you that here's who I am, here's why I am, and they have to do it every single time. So I, I'm always, I always wonder what it would be like for those people to just, you know, you're sitting there and then someone comes up and says, "Look, I have the, uh, I have the, I have the key to fix all the world's problems right now. I know you've never seen me, you don't know who I am, but shut up and listen to everything that I have to say." And you have to convince them fast because obviously there's not a lot of time to do everything that you're going to need to do. So uh, I, I guess I don't know. There's not a whole whole lot to say. I mean, like I, I I don't know that we need to necessarily spoil stuff for everybody because it's not a super spoilerific type of movie. Um, you know, once you've kind of heard the process, uh, you know, the progress and everything, and exactly how the movie works, you don't need to know too awful much about the rest of it. It is that kind of nice way that things just end up flowing out. And really, I'm glad to see Doug Lyman back, you know? Doug Lyman, the director of this, you know, he had like a, like the beginning of his career was pretty strong. You had like Go and uh, Swingers. And then, uh, you know, Born Identity was obviously huge, spawned a giant, you know, franchise and everything. And you had Mr. and Miss Smith, which was decent. And then you had Jumper, which kind of sucked. And he's been off the, he's been kind of off the radar, not doing a lot of really, you know, high profile stuff. Uh, for quite some time, but he's uh, jumping back here with Edge of Tomorrow, and so I'm like, I'm really happy to see him back on this loop and know that he can, uh, he could really do this stuff, you know. 
Yeah, I actually think this movie would be good for just parents and stuff in general to go see with their kids. I mean, I know there's a little bit of gun violence, but who, what kid hasn't seen somebody get shot on TV? Yeah, and most of it is like, you know, people blowing up. There's a dude who gets stomped and stuff, but you don't really see anything. It's obviously, it's very, it's almost cartoonish, really. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's some gun violence, and but it's not overly gory. I mean, it's a PG-13, but honestly, I think it's a pretty soft PG-13. I mean, if, you're, if your kids played Halo for more than 10 minutes, you know, they can handle this movie. Most definitely. <laughs> but uh, I also, I also um, Christopher McQuarrie, so this movie went through a lot of different uh, kind of trials and tribulations with that black script, uh, black uh, list script. And I uh, went through several rewrites and everything. And Christopher McCrory was the last guy to rewrite it. He did, um, <laughs> ironically, Jack the Giant Slayer that we talked about earlier. And uh, he wrote, uh, he did Dra- Jack Reacher last year, which I actually enjoyed. Uh, no, maybe good too. He, direct, yeah. he, di- he directed that as well. And uh, he's, uh, he's directing the new Mission Impossible movie. So I'm excited to see what he'll do with that. And uh, but he wrote like Valkyrie, and of course the most you know the one that he's most known for obviously is the Usual Suspects. So uh, and I think he may have been at one point. I don't know. So many people have been were uh, were rumored or had done a little bit of work on the uh, the new Star Wars that uh, you know that's gone around so much. But uh, all right, so uh, I guess with that, let's go ahead and uh, let's wrap it up for uh, for our review here, Brian. So give me your uh, kind of final thoughts on everything, and uh, if you want to tack on a star rating. Uh, star rating. How many stars? So I go out of five for me. So I mean, you can go out at a hundred stars if you feel. Like. <laughs> I don't give a crap. I mean, that's that kind of show. I'd give it four stars. It's not. I mean, it's not a. It's not going to win any Oscars, but for your money, to me, it was worth the money. Even if I'd have had to pay ten dollars to see it, I would have felt like I got my money's worth. And that's not something I can say a whole hell of a lot about a lot of movies. That's that's, that's very true. Um, yeah, I, I kind of the same way. I'm like a four out of five on this. Uh, I, I I did enjoy it a whole lot. I think it's definitely worth your time to go see. Um, we so rarely get science fiction films these days that are really, you know, great. Uh, I think this one does a really good job with doing everything. And, uh, I mean, the ending, you can have a little bit of a, you, you can argue on whether or not, you know, that really works a lot or not. But at, at the end of the day, I think it was, it's it's a fun time in the theater. And if your theater was better than ours, because I think the sound in ours sucked, I was not impressed. <laughs> Um, but I'm very critical of these kind of things. Yeah, but you got to go to the enema to get the good sound oh and the bad picture. <laughs> that's true. That's a whole inside joke that no one else that's listening to this is going to get. But uh, that's okay. Um, but yeah, so overall, I, I'd say it's definitely worth your time. I mean, it's nice to see Tom Cruise kind of back in form here and doing something that's uh, that's kind of up his alley, but at the same time, kind of a new way for him. And to be able to see the progression of this character and stuff is not something that you see in a lot of action films and for one that does kind of a you know sort of a time travel-y sort of deal uh it does things quite well uh you know you some stuff you kind of got to leave your brain at the door for a little bit going well wouldn't this do so you kind of have to put that stuff out but more or less um handles everything pretty deftly and uh i i, I liked it a whole bunch and i think a lot of people need to go out there and uh check that out so uh yeah go ahead make around what are your estimations for what it makes? 
I have an estimation in mind. I, I'm thinking this one right now, because there's not a whole heck of a lot. At, well, oh, wow. That's not good. Okay. <laughs> so I just want, went on to Box Office Mojo. Oh, it's not looking good. For this one? So the Friday estimates are the fall of our the fault in our stars Boy, ladies must want some movies to go out to see this weekend because the fault in our stars for the friday estimate on box office mojo has made 26 million dollars versus edge of tomorrow's 10 wow that is uh wow i would that's, not that's terrible like that damn oh i just don't understand I mean, well you got to get word of mouth out because that movie is worth seeing yeah it, it it absolutely is and fault of our stars it just looks like some sort of like I think it's a cancer movie. If you <laughs> if you folks want to see a good cancer movie, see Fifty Fifty. That's a fantastic cancer movie. So you know, save your money, watch Fifty Fifty, and then go out and see Edge of Tomorrow because you know the thing is, Edge of Tomorrow has a huge budget. By the way, that's why this that's why I think this thing really needs to do well at the box office so we can have more thoughtful. You know, not to say that this is the most high minded sci fi out there, but it's at least a little more thoughtful than most. You know. It has a little bit of a brain to it, but they're so like if this movie fails, then you know it's going to be kind of like more like well, no, see, we told you we need stuff that's a little bit dumber for people to go. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say this real quick: this movie's advertising sucked. I agree. Their trailers were awful. They got the point across, but the music was awful, and they were in every almost every trailer that they showed in the theater, and that turned that turned me off big time. I'm like, look, I love like. This movie looks good. I think it'll be good. I think I'll enjoy it. This song is terrible. You chose a ho- chose a horrible. This is not day. It's awful. It is absolutely awful. I, I, I th- the marketing for this was not very good. They not really very screwed very the pooch on this one. Good job, Warner Brothers. You you if, if if this if this movie fails, it might be on 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 that trailer's back. I guess. But ugh, pretty pretty it terrible. Seemed like they rushed it as far as marketing. I mean, I didn't see. Only thing I ever saw about it was at the movie theater. I never saw a commercial on TV for it. Did you? I don't really watch too much TV. TV. I watch most of the Hulu and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It didn't like this movie doesn't seem to have like a lot of buzz in it. I like I didn't hear people at work talking about it. You know, people were talking about Maleficent, but that's about you know. That's that's all they were talking about. Nobody gives a crap about you know this movie. Well, Maleficent was a good movie too, and I mean I, I thought it was worth the money to see, but this one. It's just kind of, it's better than a popcorn movie. It's not something, I mean, it's, it's, the story, to me, makes this movie. Even, I mean, you could, you could probably put any actor for Tom Cruise's part. I mean, he does a good job. The main points that, to me, that are important are the story and Emily Blunt are the two mm-hmm. main best parts of the movie. Tom Cruise does a decent job. He does a good job. I have no problem with it. But, uh. Yeah, that's that's what I think. Yeah, and it, I mean, like I said, it's a it, it's a good flick, and I think people need to go out there and see it and everything. So uh, yeah, so I guess a short episode today, but that is quite all right. I mean, I, I think we I think better to go short than to go over long and have people just go. I wish they would have shut up earlier. <laughs> it's kind of the story of my life, really. All right, everybody, so that is it for this episode of The Film Find. Hopefully we'll be back next week when I have a paycheck and we'll be able to <laughs> really go out and see some stuff. But uh, So next week, I'm excited for next week because we have a... What's up next week? So How to Train Your Dragon 2 comes out next week. Now, I was, I don't know, 
I want to see that. Everybody absolutely adored the first How to Train Your Dragon. I thought it was good. I liked it. I had a fun time at it. I didn't think it was nearly as good as everyone made it out to be. I watched the cartoon, though, so, I mean, I guess I'm a little biased. <laughs> But uh, the movie that I'm really, really excited for is coming out next week, 22 Jump Street. Yeah, nah, I remember him. That'll probably be a good one. I am, I'm really excited for it. I've kind of tried to stay away from as much of the marketing as I can because I really want to you know, have a good time and not have any kind of jokes or anything spoiled for me. And uh, I, 21 Jump Street I went into just with the lowest of low expectations and came out just going, damn it, that was really good. It was like, it was finally after that movie, that was the straw that broke the camel's back of turning me into a Channing Tatum fan. I mean, I call it Tanning Chatham. <laughs> Might be. But I was just like, it was after that movie that I'm like, okay, this dude, he knows who he is, he can laugh at himself, he gets the joke, and, you know, I just, I, I became a complete fan of his after that, and so... But yeah, so 22 Jump Street, and Jonah Hill's always funny in this stuff he is, and I think these two make a fantastic pair together. I love how the movie series itself doesn't even take itself seriously. I mean, you know, in the first movie, you know, Nick Offerman is just like, 21, we're arriving this crappy thing, this thing from the 80s, no one cares, this shouldn't work. This is Everyone's saying that this is a dumb idea, but we're doing it anyway, we don't care. 21 Jump Street. And, uh, and so with this one, it was funny because in the trailer, it's Nick Offerman again. He's just like, look, 21 Jump Street was a fluke, okay? <laughs> it's like it's literally commenting on itself, and it's so it's smart because the movie knows what it is, and uh, I'm very, very much looking forward to 22 Jump Street. So 99% chance that's what we're going to be reviewing next week. Uh, I think it's about time we get a, uh, a really good comedy in there before... Uh, uh, a week of Jersey Boys, and then of course trans Transformers. What are your thoughts on Transformers? What, are you looking forward to Transformers? Or are you kind of over all the Michael Bay stuff? You mean Marky Mark Wahlberg's Transformers? Hey guys, that's a Transformer. <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys, we found a Transformer. It's Optimus Prime right here in my right here in my garage. Uh, I think I don't understand it to be honest with you. Like, where's I mean, was Shia LaBeouf supposed to have not existed as a character, or is he dead? Oh, or? you don't understand. This is what Shia LaBeouf looks like when he grows up. <laughs> I'm Shia LaBeouf. I'm grown up. I'm a grown man now. I'm an adult. <laughs> Megan Fox left me for Brian Austin Green. Okay, no, and now I'm living. And, and now I'm living in the country, and I'm uh, I'm raising Transformers. I'm raising Transformers. They're uh, free range. Free range transformer. <laughs> is, this supposed to, is this supposed to be a continuation of the story or a whole new, uh, like a different universe? I think it's a, it's it's got to be the it's the same in some way. I guess I don't know. I mean, really, I mean, are <laughs> are we really looking at the plot of Transformers and just going? Yes, we is are. this a continuation of the of the proper films? Are we on a separate now? Are we to understand this is a meta world? For I don't know why I'm a little. It's like that was like half scientist, half Bill Cosby for some reason. Like, where, Megatron, is he dead, dead? I don't remember. He <laughs> I got, got killed in the third one because Optimus Prime kills him. I kind of remember. Dead. Like, who are these new auto or whatever bots they're going to fight? I don't. No, those are, uh, those are, um, what, the Dinobots. Well, I know the Dinobots, but the Dino, in the, in the cartoon, Optimus Prime, if I don't, if I recall correctly, creates the Dinobots to help them fight. In this one, it seems like they already exist. They're dinosaurs, Brian. They come from the past. Duh. <laughs> I don't know. 
I don't know either. I'm kind of confused, to be honest with it. I think Michael Bay is probably confused with it, and he's you know he he directed a you know three hundred million dollar movie about it, and I think he probably would just be like, look, it's here to sell toys, and they're paying me you know they've literally backed a dump truck full of money to my house, so I said okay. Is this all my money? Good, dump it out there in the living room. I'll be swimming in like Scrooge McDuck by the afternoon. That's George Lucas. I got all your money, you stupid dicks. Okay, George. <laughs> all right, everybody. That is it for this week's edition of the Film Find. Join us next week for our review of uh, 22 Jump Street. I'm certainly looking forward to it, too. Uh, and, uh, yeah. To, to, to it. To, to, to. You know what? The show's over. <laughs> for Brian, for Brian Joyner, I'm Adam Portress. Take it easy, everybody. Continue to be good at what you do, and if hamming is something I'm good at, then hamming uses a verb. <laughs> what can I say? I'm an American. Yeah, you used ham as a verb. That's funny. <laughs> you know, some of us, you know, we all need to uh, 
you know, stretch our wings <laughs> or some such nonsense. <laughs> what a ham. You know. I call Mark. What's, what? Hmm, huh? Mark's a big ham, too. Mark's the biggest of hams. I agree. Sits down, <laughs> watches this movie with us and everything. It's just like, I gotta go out with a wife. Mm-hmm. She promised him free food. Well, that is a, uh, that's a tough one to turn down. You know, seeing as how you, uh, what's it called, eat every day of your life, you know. <laughs> I don't know. That rare occasion where you can't eat, I can't, you know, you can't blame them. You can't, you can't look at them and go, you know what, you wouldn't have eaten otherwise, so I understand. I get it. Can't take an hour out of his day, just a, a measly little hour to come and just, you know, BS oh, on a... You're on a, telling me, this is, this is the guy that used to go, you know... Do stuff with Mark three to four days a week, a lot of times, <laughs> and I've seen him probably less than seven times since he's been married. Get used to it. He's a freaking deserter. <laughs> he is. He's like nothing's going to change. I'm like, yeah. Okay. That's what they all say. It was funny. Um, a couple years back, a buddy of mine, he was getting married, and we all went out to his uh, bachelor party and everything. And you know, we all got drunk and you know had this big dinner and everything. And then we all went out to the uh, gentlemen's club later. And he's just like, "I just want to let you guys know right now, okay? Ain't none of this gonna change. All right, it's all gonna be. This is every single. Don't worry about it. This is nothing's gonna change." And then, like the next time that there was another bachelor party for another friend who was in that group. Uh, yeah, he didn't go out to that one. <laughs> <laughs> so as much as, you know, as much as ain't nothing going to change me, eh, it changes a little bit. Changes a little bit. All right, well, let's see what we can do, you know. Okay, all right, so I'm going to do this. Since the show is a little short, we're going to, um, since the show's short, we're going to do like a little, uh, um, uh, like a post show here. Because i got to ask you some questions. All right. Um. If 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 we could ever get our friend uh, Robert on this show, we're gonna. Uh, I, I would have liked to have him on this. Pussy won't move or go anywhere without his wife's approval. <laughs> He's. I don't know if he listens to this podcast. You better watch it. <laughs> but uh, no, I do want to. I want to talk about. I want to talk about Star Wars with you because you're like you're somebody I can actually talk some Star Wars uh, nonsense with. Uh, so overall, because because we haven't talked about this, you and I don't you know ha- hang out a, a ton. But what 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 are your thoughts on all the Star Wars stuff that's kind of happening right now? You mean with Abrams? Well, yeah, just the whole. Does are, are you excited for this Star Wars? Or are you a little bit no, weary? I'm, I'm I'm tempering my expectations, but what I've seen so far, he seems to be going about it the right way. If I'm not mistaken, as he he's shooting it with real film, correct? Uh, I believe Ab- I believe Abrams is still a is still a film guy. Yeah. Okay, that number one gives him a A plus in my book because you 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 and I know, and I'm sure most some of the listeners or whatever can tell the difference between film and digital. Mm-hmm. There's nothing better than actual film. Well, I don't know why, but it makes the movie feel real and bring more life into the actors and whatever they're doing in the film. Digitally, it's just a cartoon, as far as I'm concerned. There's no emotion. There's no investment when you use digital. And the second thing I'm liking, 
because he's making real props. Yeah, that's what that was going to be my point. Is like I don't know, know necessarily that it's as much as about film as it is. He really is like from the little bits that we've seen, it looks like we're going to sets. It looks like we're going to be seeing some actual practical effects along with with digital stuff. And you can say whatever you want about the uh, Star Trek movies; they were a good combination of that kind of. You have that CG element in there, of course, but you also have real things as well to kind of ground it out in a more reality. You know, well, you feel like things are there as opposed to just, you know, how it was with a lot of like the, you know, the prequel stuff where it's like you could just feel the green screen around everywhere. That if I if I could rename the, the, the new Star Wars movies, it'd be the green Star Wars movies, the green screen ones, because that's literally there's nothing real in it. You, you don't feel in touch with the characters you don't feel like you're there like in the old ones you feel like oh man i'm on hoth well it's like i'm, I, I, I'm watching the rebel snow speeders freaking battle these AT-ATs. i feel like i'm in the snow speeder i'm in on the ice i'm there in the snow you don't get that with the prequels yeah i i, I often i'll point to the uh the kind of early chase if you can call it that scene or whatever in episode two where, you know, Anakin's, like, jumping from car to car and Obi-Wan's following. It's like, never once in that do you feel like there's any sort of tension. You never feel like, oh, no, someone might be in trouble. It just, it felt like, okay, these guys are, like, climbing around on this, you know, fiberglass thing with a green screen behind them. You never felt like, oh, it feels like they're going really fast. It feels like there's some danger involved. No, it just felt like, oh, they're standing in front of a green screen. Who cares? Honestly, I think they could redo the entire prequel. I think they they should go back. And Don't you it. dare give George Lucas any more ideas. Now he can't do it now, but literally just say, okay, these were the first attempt at the prequels. Now we're gonna let Abrams have his hand out. I mean, what do they got to lose? They're going people will go and see it, and you take out Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> Everybody wins. The world wins. Let me ask you this though, because we've seen a lot of this at the exact same time. Is there's a lot of a lot it seems, of uh, Star Wars one-off films. Now, are we going to get to the point... Now, Disney has this thing, and obviously Disney is in the business of making money, you know? But are we going to see a time here? Are, is Disney going to run Star Wars in the ground? Can Disney run Star Wars in the ground? Can we get so much Star Wars that we're just like, the hell with it, goodbye, I'm done? I don't know, man. I, I've been... If you, you want to talk about that, I mean, we've been in inundated with Star Wars stuff since for the last what now almost 20 years since it re-released in 97 yeah and people are still going out and buying $10 action figures which of course I refuse to that's ridiculous but yeah but it took you a long time to stop buying them though oh I stopped when they started hitting six. <laughs> oh my gosh that was just like I couldn't like back when they were like four or five bucks I was still like I'm paying this much for this little piece of hell no I'm done I was okay with four or five dollars but once it got past that but I mean, if that if they're still selling the figures and they're and they're still able to get media promotion and people still like it, I mean, I don't as long as they don't, I guess, crush it, it should be. Because that's okay. my thing, though, is like the way that Disney's that Disney's putting it out. Like it seems like I mean, I got to remember the exact quote or something, and I might be off by a little bit. But they want to put out a they want to put out a Star Wars, maybe every Star Wars movie of some sort, somehow related to the Star Wars universe, every couple of years. That's or, smart because if George not Luke, every year, <laughs> yeah. But George Lucas pretty much screwed the pooch when it comes to not putting enough 
Star Wars out there because for whatever reason he decided to shoot three and then stopped it doing any more. And Disney feels like this property has been underutilized, which I would agree with him. There should be like thirty Star Wars movies right now, or you know, <laughs> there should be a movie at least every two years. And like one of the things I think they ought to do is go into the old republic and go to Darth Revan from the video games and make movies on that. Because he's the he's kind of like the Darth Vader of the old republic in a way. Hmm. And those would be perfect movies to do. And plenty of money to be made. And like the Han Solo movie, was it gonna make one on Boba Fett, Han Solo, and Yoda so far, maybe? I don't know. I'm just like I just I <sighs> I wanted. I want things I'm to be good. Probably biased. Look, and look at, and I'm a huge fan too. It's just like I don't. I also at the same time know that you know it, it is the it's the old entertainers thing of leave them wanting more. And well, Lucas left me way, wanting way too much, and when he gave me a bunch of poop, I didn't want that. I wanted something more. I would like something more than poop, please. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry. The first one, episode one, is actually not bad. After you know years, it's starting to mature on me a little bit. There's parts two, of all of the trilogy uh, of the of of the prequels. There are parts of all of them that kind of work. It's just two? like uh, yeah, two most two's two's the most terrible of all of them. <laughs> it's so bad. It, it really is bad. Now, if you could like, if you could replace like in the first one, if you could replace Jake Lloyd. And you could get rid of Jar Jar Binks. You get rid of Jar Jar. You're fine. Well, you need to. You gotta. You gotta nix some of the trades tariff stuff because that's just god awful boring. Uh, yeah, I kinda you got. You gotta. You gotta nix that because it's it's so dumb. I mean, but Ewan McGregor's fine. Uh, you know, Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson is amazing. Liam Neeson is like he is the George or uh, he he is the um, Alec Guinness of you know, Episode One, where he's that kind of. He brings that everything he says in that movie. You're just like, this is an old, a sage old man who knows what he's talking about, and so like he uh, totally brings it in that movie. Really made that movie as far as characters, anyway. And I thought it was kind of stupid that Lucas killed him off, even though he's not dead technically now because of the Clone Wars. I don't know about I. He's not dead in the Clone Wars cartoon. They bring him back, and he's got like a mechanical lower body now. Oh, okay. You haven't seen the Clone Wars? No, I mean, like I watched the first of the couple episodes when they first came out, but I just, I, I, I don't really have cable or anything, so I don't really. Yeah, he's not dead. Not in, not in this, not now. Uh-huh. They brought him back. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a little weird, I'm but. I, I don't know if it works, it works. But uh, you know, when I mean, we still, we obviously still have a long way to go here before this one's out, but. Uh, <clears throat> Boy, it seems that really Disney's putting all their uh, all their eggs in this Star Wars basket, as it were. Well, honestly, I think they need to, and I think they need to make a part devoted to Star Wars. Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I wouldn't. I, I'd never say never. And you know, they got a lot of they they've got enough money to where they could easily just go. Guess what? We've added a you know what fourth, fifth park or whatever onto Disney. Star Wars part. Star Wars land of some sort. I don't know. That would be totally awesome. I, don't know. I mean, look, even if it were something just kind of the size, maybe a little bit bigger because it's it's big, but it's not that big. But maybe something about the size or just slightly larger than the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, something like that. Well, I've never been there, so I don't have a even cool. even that would be pretty neat. It's it's a good size. I mean, a good size. It's not so huge. I mean, it doesn't have to be. 
I don't know that we need like an entire Star Wars theme park per se, but like to have like you know walking around and it feels like you're walking around in some sort of Star Wars universe. But that's what's also tough about Star Wars too is that it's so many different things. You know, if you made if you made some sort of park, it need to be like the most Eisley Park or something like that. It need to be a Tatooine Park. They could do a Haas, a croissant, most ice. That's, that's all you a, need. exactly. But to see, that's so many different things, though, and so to really parse it out amongst one, you know, area in a park is. So I, mean, I can play with the Ewoks. <laughs> Yum yeah. Here's the. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's one of the games called Kick an Ewok. <laughs> you could actually do that. You go okay. and they give you a little Ewok, and then you kick it, and you have to like try to ring one of the buckets or something. I don't know. <laughs> that's my thought, and you just hear them going through. Here. Sort of. <laughs> I don't know. But, I just hope uh, that Carrie Fisher is like good, and I hope Harrison Ford is good because what? Because Harrison bad. Ford's been phoning it in for the past ten years. Like Harrison Ford, I mean, if you look at him, dude, he is—he's not aged well in the last year or two. I mean, he looks old, and well, having he has, having he is been... old. He's—he's he's like what two couple years younger than Sean Connery. I don't. For the exact age, he's old. <laughs> Carrie Fisher, I'm just kind of curious how they're going to use her. Like, are, where are they going to do? Are they going to use the? I mean, they said that they're not. You like, have you heard this? They said they're not using the books that have been written as canon. Did you know that? That is my understanding. Is that, and this yeah. is what has pissed yeah. a lot of people off, is that none of the. It seems that none of the expanded universe past the books or, or past the original trilogy now are going to be canon at all. Now, I think that's fine, except for Air of the Empire. Air of the Empire should be canon. Have you ever read those? I only ever read Shadow. I was never... Um, Laura's read a, a boatload of the books. Shadow of the Empire is a whole different thing in between Empire and Jedi. Air of the Empire happens right after Jedi with Grand Admiral Thrawn. Right. Timothy Zahn wrote those. Those That trilogy is absolutely amazing. That should be canon to me. I'm kind of curious, like, are they going to give Luke Skywalker a son, like, in the books? They got to do something, man, because this cannot, like, this movie is not going to be, this movie can't be, like, you know, Han, Leia, and Luke ride again. This is going to be, this has got to be more of a passing of the torch kind of flick. And if and what do they have any space in, you know, eight eight and nine? I have a feeling that Harrison Ford is going to insist that Han Solo die. That's my opinion. But I have a feeling it's, it may not happen in this first one. But if it doesn't, I think eventually he'll they'll kill him off. I but really they, do. they did say, in fact, though, that he does have a fairly large amount of things to do in this movie. So, well, you know, I like I love Harrison Ford. Here's I love Harrison Fisher. I love Hamill. You know, I love them all. They're they're great, but you know, they they need. I just hope this movie turns out as well as the originals. Well, it's it's also interesting because this is really the first Star Wars film that's being made by a Star Wars fan. Yeah, that's true. Because when you really think about it, all the other guys, you know, you had you know Empire and Jedi. Those they were just director for hires. And then George Lucas, we've all, I mean, due to those prequels, we know he's not a fan of Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> no, he's not a fan of people commenting on his work. 
<laughs> so, that's what he is. He so, but criticism. This is like we're finally getting our first Star Wars film from a guy who grew up loving Star Wars, and that's what like you know so many people. I, that's why I, I I yell at some of the people who don't know any better. They're like, "Was well, J.J. Abrams think he can just do Star Trek and Star Wars?" It's like, well, if anything. JJ has always been like, look, I'm always been more of a Star Wars guy than a Star Trek guy. So he took, you know, kind of the lesser of the two in his mind. He's like, look, I'm going to go do Star Trek. You know, I mean, I've always been more of a Star Wars. And he did, you know, what he did with Star Trek by injecting a little bit of Star Wars into that made that Star Trek movie a whole heck of a lot better. I thought the Star Trek movies were good. I like. I thought the second one was better than the first. Most people, I think, like the first better. Yeah, I think. But I like Khan. Khan is like the best villain in Star Trek universe to me. That's a whole nother ball of wax right there. Uh, we did uh, a, We did a two hour. We did a two hour podcast on that, and uh, it was uh, there was a lot to be said. But uh, yeah, I, so I think JJ coming into this and you know being a Star Star Wars fan. And uh, I think that's going to be really interesting to finally see somebody because the fans forever and years and years and years have always thought, you know, if one of us got a hold of it, I mean, what would happen if one of us, one of the real fans, one of the people that grew up and it was like, this was like, this was our thing. What would happen then? And now we have that. We're going to have that first Star Wars fan film, like real fan fan film. (laughs) The story better be good, though. That's all I'm going to say. If the story is bad, maybe so PO'd. Story has to be good. It doesn't have to be complex. It just has to be good. Because the, the first, the first prequel wasn't complex. I mean, princess is kidnapped, save princess, destroy Death Star. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much the plot. Well, yeah, exactly. And you need to have it kind of that nice. It's just it needs to be lighthearted enough. Have enough little peril. Like it needs to be exactly what the what what those first movies were. Was it's just it, you know you got the elements of comedy, you got the elements of action and danger, and, and a little bit of romanticism in there. And <laughs> like, around stage, yeah, just make it like you know like, like those serials that you know the original Star Wars was based upon, essentially. Oh man, Time I'm, I'm excited for it, but I wish it wasn't in December. 2015 that's just uh that crushed me dude <laughs> i was like well, you're basically putting it in 2016 what's the difference yeah one month 15 days well we'll we'll see we'll see if that date lasts probably it, it'll probably go to 2016 and that's if if i'm just to guess right off the bat but then again i don't know disney's got enough you know bread behind everything now that they're making but, enough money off of everything else so i i, I think they'll They'll be okay. okay if you can buy Lucasfilm okay. and then you buy Marvel and then you know, like you got you know you got more money than anybody knows what to do with. What do you think about the Indiana not Indiana Jones the uh, Han Solo movie that they're thinking about doing? Who do you think should play Han Solo? I've got my pick. Uh, who do you got? Because I, I I could Nathan I don't Fillion. know. Nathan Fillion, perfect. Nathan Fillion's like older than Harrison Ford was in I the movies. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. Uh, I like Nathan Fillion. I think Nathan Fillion's a good guy. I don't know that like he needs perfect. To... He is perfect Han Solo with this not Harrison Ford. Perfect. Yeah, I gotta look up the I gotta look up the dates, but I would I would venture to guess that he's literally probably ten years older than Harrison Ford was in the last in Harrison in, in Ford Jedi. was all, almost in his forties, wasn't he, when he did it? Well, he's that's old. well, that's how old. Uh, that's how old he is. See how old Nathan Fillion is. Wow, he is old as dirt. Yeah, I told you, dude. He's yeah. 
Harrison Ford was probably about 43 when when uh, when Jedi was done. Well, that's fine. I don't care. <laughs> I want me some Nathan Fillion mm-hmm. as Han Solo. Yeah. Dream the impossible dream, as they say. Stan Akatic. Now she would make a good uh, a good lay. I bet. You know who I'm talking about? No, but I don't think we need any prequel. We don't need prequel uh, character. Who fucking cares? God, huh. nobody cares. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for uh, hanging out in this little after show thing. We thought we had a you know kind of a short show to begin with, and thought I was like, yeah, we'll talk a little Star Wars and stuff. So, uh, see you next week for Twenty Two Jump Street, everybody. Bye, good night.